Well, hey, and welcome again. Glad that you are tuning in with us from wherever and however you are doing that. It's great to have you be a part of what we're doing right now. Today, we are beginning, this is part one, this is the very beginning of what is going to be a three-episode message series called When the Devil Knocks. Incredibly important, I believe, on our road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ to learn how we engage in spiritual battle. So let me just say up front, um, if you have the question, well, why, why do we talk about the devil? This is not a devil-glorifying teaching whatsoever. What we want to do is to better understand our enemy so that we can fight more effectively against the forces of darkness. So here's something to make you think a little bit. Is it okay to think right now? Do you have a moment? Uh, what do you think is the greatest deception that the devil has ever pulled off? What's the greatest trick our enemy has convinced so many people of? Ideas? Yeah, I think the biggest one is that grand deception is convincing people that he doesn't exist at all. Many people seem to say, you know what, I believe in God. But certainly, there's no forces of darkness. And, and I hope that you'll understand that the devil is real. And the devil is not some little hoof-footed guy in a red suit with a tail, a pitchfork, and some horns. There is a spiritual battle going on every single day between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Our God is the God of light. The devil is the God, you know, little g God of darkness. Our God is truth. The devil is the father of lies. And Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly. The devil came to steal, to kill, to bring death, steal, kill, and destroy. And the apostle Paul, in his letter to his friends in the city of Ephesus, he teaches us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, you are not in a battle with your mother-in-law. It may seem like you are, but that's just not the case. You're not just in a battle with the boss that drives you out of your mind. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. And that's why we're going to dive in for three weeks and learn how to identify the attacks and fight against the evil one. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory about the forces of darkness that'll help set us up for today and for the rest of the series. A lot of people don't realize, but before the foundation of the world, we know that God created archangels. He created Gabriel, he created Michael, and he created Lucifer. Lucifer was actually kind of like a uh, worship angel, beautiful, full of wisdom and glory. And the problem, now the problem grew through pride. And I can relate to that because many, if not most of my problems grow through pride also. Maybe that's the same for you. Lucifer diminished in humility and grew in pride, and that pride blinded him, and he became very jealous of God. God was getting all the glory, and Lucifer wanted some glory too. And so he fell headlong into pride, essentially pitting himself against God. And God says, I will not share my glory with anyone else. And when Lucifer wanted the attention, God cast him down from heaven. Lucifer took one-third of the angels with him, and those would be known as the demons that we do battle with, even to this day. So what, what does any of that matter to you? Well, what you need to know, what you need to understand is because you are created in the image of God, 
And because the devil hates God, the devil will continually come after you. It's not if he will attack, it's that he's already attacking right now. And this message series is designed to help uh, arm you, to help give you some reconnaissance, some behind the, the, the lines uh, information to help equip you for when the devil knocks. And I believe that the devil will try to keep you from hearing this. You watch next week, something's going to come up, something's going to distract you, something's going to interfere. I also believe that the evil one will try to keep us from living this. And that's why it's so important that we don't just hear God's word, but we live it every single day and that you learn to practice battling together and not just alone. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan when the devil knocks. I'm going to lay out for you our sneak preview, okay? This is what we're going to do over the next three episodes. So today we're going to talk about the devil, uh, the evil one, and his name that we're going to focus on today is the deceiver. Jesus calls him the deceiver. John calls him in his gospel, and he, and he mentions it in Revelation as well. Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. He lies to us, and he tries to take us away from God's truth. Episode two, we're going to examine Satan, the accuser. And what's the attack strategy here? Well, he attacks your heart with accusations. You're not, and you never will be. You're not good enough for God. He accuses you, and on, and on, and on. And then in our third and final episode, we're going to look at a text that might just be a mystery or a new revelation to you. I believe that the vast majority probably have never heard a message from here in a church before. So that's a little tantalizing, right? In that episode, we will talk about the destroyer, Satan, the destroyer, who attacks your will with pride. He is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. He is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. And the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. So let's just start with the deceiver. Satan is the deceiver. This is what Jesus said about the devil. In John 8, 44, he, the, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Anytime he speaks, he is lying. So how do you know the devil's lying? Well, you know he's lying if his lips are moving. He cannot speak the truth. He's always working at his agenda. He always lies. And this was uh, his first strategy when he attacked Eve in the Garden of Eden. So we're going to see that he attacked the authority of God's word with lies. It's really interesting to me. When you think about this, there are just so many different ways that the serpent... No, hold on. Uh, who says serpent again? Oh, the serpent is the physical form of Satan or the evil one. So the serpent came about seeking to deceive Eve, and how did he do it? Did he say, oh, God is bad? No, 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 God is mean. No, God, God who? God doesn't exist. No, he did it by attacking the word of God. So think about it. Just think of all the different ways that the serpent could have tried to take Eve away from God. He could have preyed on her insecurity. He could have said things like, Adam doesn't really love you. 
He's sick of hearing you talk about your feelings all the time. He wants to go and hide out in his man cave, away from you, like literally in his cave. And he's going to stay there forever. He liked it better when it was just him and the animals. He wants his rib back. There are so many different ways that the serpent could have tried to create questions. But what did the serpent do? The serpent attacked. He attacked the words of God. And he did it in two ways, okay? So how did the devil lie to Eve? The first one is the deceiver questioned God's word. So Genesis 3, 1. The serpent said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Did God really say? Did God really say? Notice the deceiver did not deny that God had spoken. Instead, he questioned what God had spoken. And this is what the deceiver still does today. We'll, he'll try to plant questions. He'll plant seeds of doubt. Do you really believe that the Bible is a gift from God? Come on, surely you're smarter than that. I mean, you're not naive enough to think that the Creator just spoke and created everything. Surely you're intellectual enough to believe that everything went boom and that everything fell into these incredibly intricate, well-mannered, well-ordered systems. That's just the way explosions work. You wouldn't be that naive. Hey, hey God didn't really mean that when He said that. Well, it's not for you. Not for now. I mean, hundreds of years ago, sure, that's what he wanted. But this is 2000 and whatever. We've all evolved past that. Besides, God loves you so much. If he really loved you, he'd let you do whatever you want. God didn't tell you not to, did he? He didn't mean that. Not for you. He questions God's word. He gets you to question God's word. And evidently, Eve apparently began to question God's word. And let me show you how or why I believe that this is true. Because God told her that she may eat freely. Okay, Genesis 2.16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Eat that and eat that, eat that one. Just not this one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eat freely from everything else. Just not that one. I love you. You're blessed. There's freedom. Just not that one. If you do, that one will bring you pain. But then, when Eve got into a dialogue with the devil, she left out one key word. See if you can notice what she left out. Genesis 3-2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. What word did she leave out? Did you spot it? She left out that they were free to eat, right? Implying, perhaps, that God was holding back on her. Oh, there was more? That which God said no to must be the very thing that I want that will bring me fulfillment and satisfaction. So what happened? The moment that Eve started to question the goodness of God, that was when it became easier to disobey the will of God. So here's a life lesson for you too. You might want to write this one down. It's going to come up. When you start to question the goodness of God, it's easier to disobey the will of God. The moment Satan started to question God's word, she started to wonder, is God really good? And the second thing that happened, the deceiver twisted God's word. 
He twisted God's word. He said, we can eat from any tree except that one or we're going to die. And then the serpent says in verses uh, 4 and 5, you will not certainly die. Okay, verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll be like God. Do you know what that, that is? That's exactly what Lucifer wanted. He wanted to be just like God. What's interesting is the way that he twisted the word. Eve was already created in the image of God. She was already a reflection of the heart of God. And yet the serpent says, twist, twist, twist. Did God really say? I mean, come on, you could be like God. And this is exactly what the evil one does today. Over and over and over again, he twists God's word. Oh, God is love. That's true. Then he twists it. God is love, so he'll understand. Do whatever you want. Besides, Scripture says, thou shalt not judge. Nobody can judge you for what you're doing. It's your life. You can do whatever you want with your life. He'll forgive you anyway. Come on, he's going to forgive you. God wants you happy. So do whatever makes you happy. He attacks the authority of God's word. And here's what I hope some of you will understand. It's that you're under attack. The evil one is already coming after your family, after your finances, after you, perhaps coming after you physically, maybe even coming after your children. You're under attack. But don't be afraid. Be aware. Be active. Engage. Devil, not today. Not my house. Not my family. Not my finances. Not my health. No, devil, you have no place here. I fight back in the name of Jesus. I fight back in the name that is above every name, the name at which every demon must flee. I fight in the name of Jesus. I'm not sitting back tolerating this and hoping for the best and just wishing, is it ever going to get any better? Is it ever going to get better? No, not today, not my house, not this time, not this Jesus follower. I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, dwelling in me. No, 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 no. You're in a battle. Recognize it. The good news is that we battle not against flesh and blood. We also don't battle with earthly weapons or the earthly techniques. We have spiritual weapons. We battle in the spiritual realms and we battle in a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused manner. Our battle style, it's not about punching or kicking or shooting. We battle by counteracting the plan of Satan. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. His technique was created to be the opposite of the mission of God. God came to give abundant life generously. And when you walk in the Spirit and live in the fullness of the Spirit, characterized by using our spiritual gifts, delighting in and displaying the fruit of the Spirit, then you are battling in the spiritual world. Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 6. He explained that you've got the armor of God. Put on the spiritual defenses and protections that God has provided you. You've got the helmet of salvation. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. You've got the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts and temptations of the evil one. You've got the belt of truth. You've got your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And you have one 
offensive weapon. Do you know what that weapon is? It's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Your only offensive weapon is the Word of God. And what I hope you'll understand is the Bible is not just some collection of ancient manuscripts to teach you how to be nice and kind and moral. The Word of God is your greatest offensive weapon, wielded against the forces of darkness in every spiritual battle that you will fight. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. There are two different kinds of swords that were used in battle in the time that this was being written. There was a really, really big, long sword uh, that you would swing with both hands. After David killed Goliath, he took this big sword and he took Goliath's head off with it. That's a statement weapon, but not good in close personal combat. There was another type of sword that was shorter, that was sharp on both edges. It was known as the gladius. It was used in hand-to-hand combat. So when your enemy gets close to you, you draw the gladius, famous for its use by gladiators. But sharper than any two-edged sword is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's how we do battle against the evil one. It's how we fight back with the spoken Word of God, sword of the Spirit. The devil is always going to be looking to steal and kill and destroy. And that's opposite of the mission of God, to give abundant life generously. That's how Jesus did battle against Satan in the wilderness. After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is communing with his Father. He's seeking God and denying himself physical nutrition. And you know he's weak. It's 40 days and 40 nights. It's probably his most vulnerable physical moment. And what does the devil do? He attacks when Jesus is weak. He attacks. When you do something that honors God and is about giving abundant life generously, the devil's attacking. When you're bold for your faith, the devil attacks. When you're generous with with what you have, the devil attacks. When you're glorifying God with worship, the devil attacks. When you don't just go to church, but you know that you are the church, the devil attacks. And when you're using your gifts to serve and to make a difference somewhere, the devil attacks. Jesus was glorifying God, communing with God, and the devil comes in waves. Wave one, wave two, wave three, wave number one. The devil says, hey, Jesus, you look a little hungry, a little peckish, huh? Come on, God loves you. He's a miraculous God. Why don't you just, yeah, why don't you just turn some of these stones into some piping hot sourdough? He says, turn these stones into bread. And what did Jesus do? He drew his sword and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Attack wave number two comes. Satan says, Jesus, why don't you throw yourself off this high place? Because scripture says, watch him twisted here. The angels will give charge over you and they will come and they will rescue you. And and Jesus, again, draws his sword and he says, it is written, do not put your Lord down the Lord your God to the test. And the devil comes at him, wave three. 
How about this one, Jesus? Look over all of that, right? Look over all of these kingdoms of this world, Jesus. This is who you came for, right? I will give them to you if you'll only bow down. Simply worship me. You can have all of this. It could be all about you. And Jesus says, get away from me, devil. And he draws the living sword, the word of God. And he says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and him alone. And the devil fled. And then the angels of God came and they ministered to Jesus. It's the sword of the Spirit. David, in Psalm 119, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a part of me. It, it dwells within me. So how do you get the word hidden in your heart? You daily study and enjoy the spiritual nourishment of the word of God. And if I can be really honest, I think that perhaps the problem for so many of you is that you you don't even know where your sword is. You know, I got, I got it here somewhere, right? Oh, it's, it's in my bedroom. Oh no, it's, oh, no, it's in the drawer. It's in the drawer. Oh, no, I guess it's on the bookshelf. It's somewhere in here, right? I know it's somewhere. Or now it might actually be on your mobile device, which is really cool. And if it's not on your mobile device, well, it should be. But some of you, well, you, you can find Instagram very quickly, and you know where your news app is, and you've nailed Facebook. But the Bible app, where is it? I don't know, it's in a folder somewhere. You don't even know where your sword is. You don't even know where your only offensive weapon is. So listen, before the word of God can come out of your mouth, it's got to be hidden in your heart. It's got to be hidden in your heart. So what do we do? First day of the week, we come together, we gather as a body to worship God. First of every financial increase, we worship God with a generous gift. First day, first of the day, every day, we seek God first. And then everything else will be added unto us. We open our hearts to God in prayer when we open the word up and we let him spiritually nourish us. The word convicts us when we stray. The word directs us into God's will. The word comforts us when we're hurting. The word encourages us to become all of who we are to be in Christ. The Word equips us to do the perfect will of God. The Word reminds us it's not about us, it's about Him. It's living bread. And it's spiritual nourishment. We feed on God's Word. It strengthens us. It washes over us. It changes us to become who God wants us to be. And I would beg you, I'd plead with you, make this a part of your daily life. Every single morning, before you do anything, click on the Bible app, do a plan, you know what? Do another plan. If you're not good at reading, let it read to you. Wow, can you believe that? It reads to you. Let it speak to you. Let it speak to you when you're washing your face, when you brush your teeth, when you try to, when you try to fix that hair. Let the Word of God, sharper than any double-edged sword, assist you in preparing to face your day. Get clothed in the right frame of mind. Get your priorities straight before you face the challenges of the day because it brings you to life because it is living. It is powerful. It is active. The word is alive. And so what do we do? When we're in battle, we fight back in the spirit with the word. Whenever you begin to feel 
of that, the beginnings of that depression coming in, what do you do? You quote the word. You preach to yourself. Start it off. You say, why so downcast, O oh my soul? I put my hope in the living God. When your family is under attack, what do you say? No weapon formed against us will prosper. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When, when you think, I, I just can't make it. Not another day. I just can't go anymore. I will not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, I will reap a harvest if I don't give up. I can do all things through Christ who dwells within me. When the diagnosis is not good, I believe that all things are possible with my God. I believe that by the wounds of Jesus we are healed. When you're not sure what you're going to do and it doesn't seem to be clear, you're going to say, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways I acknowledge Him. And He alone will make my path straight. If I feel ashamed after what I did, after what I did again, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what? I better declare that one again. Someone needs to feel the release of this. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I confess my sin, God is faithful and just and He will forgive my sin. And He will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. When your marriage is under attack, you draw the sword. You draw the sword. You bring into this world the mission of God to give abundant life generously. The love of God is a gift to me. His love is in me and His love is transforming me. Love is patient. Love is kind. And I will not envy. I will not boast. I will not be proud. I will not be rude. I will not be self-seeking. I will not be easily angered. I will not delight in evil, but I will rejoice in the truth because love always hopes. Love always trusts. Love always protects. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is the love of my Savior, Jesus Christ, which dwells within me and I am now on a mission to give abundant life generously. Not today, devil. Not today. I know that you are here to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you are not going to rob me of what God has blessed me with. Not today. And if you think for a moment that the devil is some cute little guy in a Halloween costume, then you probably also think that Jesus is some tender little hippie carrying a staff with a lamb around his shoulders. While he is love... He is also righteous. While he is full of grace, he also comes back in judgment. And when he returns, according to Revelation, John says this, verse 14, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. Verse 15, his feet were polished like bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. 16, he held seven stars in his right hand. A sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. Say it with me. A sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. One more time. A sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. A sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. What was he doing? He was speaking. He was declaring the word of God. He was doing spiritual battle. He was speaking the word just like the Father did in the beginning. 
God spoke and created the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus, and the devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. Every time you sin against God, it's because you believe one of the devil's lies. But when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So whenever the devil tries to lie, say, get behind me. I know God's word. It is written. This is who I am in Christ. This is what I have in Christ. And you are defeated. I'm not fighting for victory, devil. I'm fighting from victory. You get behind me. You are a defeated foe because greater is the one who dwells within me than he who is in this world. So Father, I pray that you would empower your church, God, to be full of your word, speaking truth, doing battle against the forces of darkness, that we may glorify you in all that we do. And as you're praying today, are there those of you who would say, yes, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I want to become even more passionately engaged in God's word. Would, would you respond right now? Be bold. Let someone else know. Even in the chat, you can respond by saying yes. Just type yes in the chat feed. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Release it. Declare it. Be free. Type yes now. More of you, Jesus. I want more of you and your word. Father, I thank you that as we seek you through your word, God, you will allow us to find you. Strengthen us, God, for those who are in a battle right now. I pray that your living word dwelling within them would give them the faith to fight back. Believing, God, that all things are possible with you. Thank you that the word became flesh and he dwells with us. And as you keep praying today, there are those of you who you, you, you may recognize, I'm, I'm not even sure where I stand with God. Let, let me just remind you what we learn from the different authors of Scripture. We learn that God is holy, and we are not. We have all sinned, and the truth is we lie. We cheat, we lust, we steal, we criticize, we envy, we complain. We're full of pride. We are sinful people. But God is so good that he loved us so much that the word became flesh. For God so loved the world, so loved you, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him puts their trust in him, trusts him with their weight, would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, and maybe you're hearing this for the first time with your heart and not just with your ears. You recognize you need him. You need his grace. You need his forgiveness. You've, you've not tuned in here by accident. God brought you here for this moment. Those of you who say, I need Jesus. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I turn from my sin. I turn toward him. If that's you, church online, you click right below me. Indicate that you want Jesus as your savior. Okay, everybody, pray together. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me from all my sins. Make me brand new. 
Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. Teach me your words so I can know you. Direct my steps so I can live for you in all that I do. Thank you for a new life. I give you mine. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And I hope you thank God because we're not praying for a move of God. We're in the middle of a move of God.